and they can start the party at Scotland. That's a brilliant goal from Gary Jones. And Henderson, oh, what a goal! Hello and welcome to the RochdaleAFC.com podcast. My name is Dean and I am joined as always by Ryan. Ryan, how are you getting on, mate? Yeah, good, thanks, mate. Good stuff. Also, we've got Luke with us. Luke, how are you? Good, thank you, mate. Two thumbs up as well, nice. And Chaff is with us as always. Chaff, how are you, buddy? Yeah, not too bad, thank you, mate. Good stuff. So, this is the first time we've actually all reconvened, I think, since uh, Dale's relegation was confirmed. Um, so, there have been a couple of games... That we can talk through, although I don't know how many of us watched the last one against Milton Keynes. Um, but I think what we'll do instead is we'll look through the season as a whole. Um, obviously, as I just mentioned there, resulted in Dale being relegated eventually, but only by one point in the end. Um, so, Ryan, I'll come to you first. It's a bit, it's the big question, I suppose. But what do we think went wrong over the course of the season? Why do we think we, we weren't quite able to get over the line and get those extra few points to remain in League One this year? It's tough to say, and it? It's um, it's hard without banging that drum that no one wants to hear about injuries and low budgets and squads and whatever. Ultimately, we've not won enough games, have we? I think, looking at the table, we've, we're going to have lost more than us, I think. Um, but we've lost, uh, won the fewest games, I think, of the second fewest games and drawn... I think we might be third or fourth with with how many games we've drawn. So I think if you win a couple of those games where we've drawn and you think about the last minute equalisers that we've conceded, um, where we've not been able to hold on, they've cost us. I do think, and I think we'll, we might be coming on to this later on, but I do believe that injuries have played a big part. And I know the argument is that everyone's had injuries this season but not everybody has a budget we have. And you think of some of the players that have come on off a bench against us this season and they'd walk straight into probably our best ever team. So it's well hard to compete, especially when you've got the injury, injuries we've got. And you think of the sort of accumulation of injuries in the same positions we've had. I know BBM said it, but for a point where BB, uh, Humphreys and Beasley were both injured, we were a point where we had a lot of midfielders injured, injured. and then we were a point where I think McShane and O'Connell were injured and then McNulty got sent off. So that was obviously not ideal either. But we've just, for me, I think we've just drawn too many games. I, I look at our loss column and, yeah, it's not great, but it's better than Wigan's, as in we've lost fewer games. But we've just, we've sort of, you know, had games where we've played really well and not got the three points and we've gone on with a point instead where at the time in isolation we were probably on here you know me and Luke especially were probably saying it's not a bad point but in reality over a season there's too many of them and too many games where you've said oh we've played well but we've not got them three points which has been an issue so I think there's a lot of things um, there's not just one thing I can put it down to but ultimately we've not won enough games and that's one point off relegation only takes one of them draws turn into a win, doesn't it? Luke, Ryan touched on the fact there that we've drawn a hell of a lot of games this season. Um, sometimes it can be the case if you're drawing too many games that you're being frustrated. But for me, it seems to have been the other way around where we've been the better side and we've been leading going into the last few moments and then conceded late goals, which has happened countless times this season. I think... Is it fair for that to be one of the main criticisms of BVM this year in that he's been unable to to sort of get that game management right and, and see us through for victories in the latter stages of games? I wouldn't lay the blame um, entirely with BVM. Um, I think as manager, you know, it, it, he's at the forefront of it and he'll be the one that needs to take responsibility. Um, and there will be an element of BVM's influence, I suppose, on that um, around game management and, and conceding these late goals, but at that stage, it, it, for me, it, it comes down to personnel on the pitch and it comes down to the players. and And in the main, I feel as though it's the players' responsibility. Um, you know, looking back at 
some of those games that that kind of we, we we're talking about. You know, the most recent ones probably Wimbledon. Um, you know, there's a couple of others. The Oxford one um, rings true in my mind as well. It's down to the players. It's simple. You know, it's you know you when you're kind of dissecting kind of the goals and what have you. That was a Bazzini, um individual error with the Oxford one. It was um, a case of us not being tight enough for the Wimbledon one. BBM can't control that at that given moment in time. That's got to come from players taking accountability. Um, and I think that's kind of what's shown. And I think kind of we've questioned it at various times throughout the season. Um, and I think on reflection, sometimes fairly and other times unfairly. Um, but it comes down to that character, I think, as well. And, and, and just having that kind of nous to actually not get carried away with the importance of the game and being frantic. It comes down to kind of doing the basics right and being tied to your man and stopping the crosses coming in. Um, and, you know, with that, with, you know, you assembled a squad that was pretty young and inexperienced. Has that played a part, the recruitment part to it all? Maybe. Um, but for me, it's, it's more so on the players that uh, than, than what it would be BBM. Got to trust the players to do the right thing in, in in game situations. Yeah, I think I said on a recent pod, and I think I mentioned it on a live where we were top scorers in the league for a bit, but there were a lot of chances that we were missing, and not not necessarily chances on goal, but chances where the final pass was just not right. And you think of those games where we've drawn, if we'd taken a two goal lead or a three goal lead, you're not drawing that game, are you? So I think there's been a lot of times where the midfield's been at fault for me. I think the final pass for midfield often this season has been terrible. Um, and then you couple that with the lack of a defensive midfielder where late in a game where you might be winning by a goal and you might want another to stretch the lead. You want someone sat there who's going to break up play if they counter. And that player for us this season has been injured all season in Jimmy Ryan. Um, so I think injuries have had a part but when those injuries happen you have got to manage the, the game better and I think Luke's right in that it doesn't all part of it falls on the manager obviously because it always will do no matter what happens on a football pitch it's always the book stops of a manager but the players have got to man- manage it better and we've had injuries but there's always been at least you know a couple of experienced players available and they've got to do better. You talk of, you know, Owen O'Connell, Paul McShane, Matty Dawn, Jim McNulty, um, Ollie Rathbone to an extent, even though he's relatively young, he's played a lot of games. They've got to be managing the game better. And unfortunately, they've fallen a point short of doing that this season. Um, so, yeah, like, we've, there's been a lot of things, haven't there, like we've said. So, Rye hasn't been on the pod for a while, can't you? <laughs> All right. <laughs> um, Chaff, how much of the blame are you placing on injuries yourself? Um, and how much can you criticise the club for that even? You know, it's unlucky to have injuries, but we've signed a lot of players knowing about their injury records, haven't we? I mean, we gave Jimmy Ryan a two-year deal. I think he played one game for Blackpool the season before we signed him. Matt Lund obviously had his injury issues in his first spell with us. McShane had spent a lot of time out injured at Reading before he joined us. How much can you criticise the club for, you know, if, if they're going into a season with a small squad, why have they placed so much faith in so many injury-prone players? Good question. Um, we've brought that part up before um, about injuries. Injuries have played a, a big part in this season. There's no getting away from it. Um, Injuries to keep players as well. Um, at the same time, like what Ryan said, in Humphreys and Beasley being out together, for example, is, leaves you very short up front. Um, McShane and O'Connell being out. McShane being out most of the season. McLaughlin in and out, like the Okie-Kokie. It, it doesn't help. Um, McShane, for me, was a, was a gamble. Two-year deal was a gamble. He barely played at Reading. Before that, he's a lot longer in the tooth than a lot of our players. And I don't think it's worked out like we would have wanted it. He's played about 35 games in two seasons. Um, when he has played, he's been 
immense for us, really. Um, we just, just be able to rely on him, and we can't. Um, Jimmy Ryan is another one. Um, you mentioned his, his history, his injury history before we joined here. He's played about 20 games a season. It's, it's just not enough. He's been out for most of this season. Humphreys, to an extent, picks up injuries like there's no tomorrow. Hamstring injuries, um, sort of clashes and stuff like that. But with some of them, we, we knew what we were getting and that's the frustrating thing. You, you, you sign McShane, Ryan, McLaughlin, knowing full well, even Lund, knowing full well that they're going to be out injured at some point. Um, so when you've got a budget like ours, it's a risk. Um, and it's just not paid off, has it? It's so part of it is down to gambling and and it not paying off. Um, but yeah, we, we the injury situation has hindered us massively because I think if you get maybe maybe two or three games more out of Humphreys and Beasley, you can quite and, and certainly McShane easily have been the difference between going staying up and going down. So ridiculously fine margins. But, yeah, we, we, we knew the history. We gambled and it didn't pay off. What other things would you say have, have let us down this season, Chap, in terms of, like I say, it, it ended up being really tight. But for you, what's the difference between us finishing 21st and finishing 20th this season? Game management is the main one. Um, Ryan alluded to it before. The amount of uh, games where we've conceded in stoppage time is quite ridiculous, really. Um, the one that sticks out massively for me is the Peterborough United one, where Morley gives away the penalty <laughs> top his time. Um, the Wimbledon one, both of them, both fixtures against Wimbledon. Um, yeah, game management's been a massive thing. Um, Bazunu kicking it straight to an Oxford player, for example. Um, just poor decision-making. I don't think the management team have reacted well enough to the injuries, really. Um, I might be doing them a disservice there, but trying to stick with a, a system regardless of injuries and, and playing players out of position in order to do so, I didn't think was going to work. Didn't work. And maybe we've just got to be a little bit more proactive and, and, and try and keep things a little bit simpler and just play players where they need to play. Um Playing Lund up front, for example, didn't work for me. Didn't like it. Even Sharnas, he played like as your, your most attacking midfield option. And that didn't work either. And it's purely based on height. And yeah, there's there's more than one thing that's, that's sent us down. The amount of draws we've had, the amount of goals we've conceded late. Maybe not even, maybe not going to a back three soon enough because we saw a real upturn in, in fortunes when we when we went to a back three. I thought we always had the, the personnel to be able to, to use that as an option. Maybe we should have used it sooner. Um, but yeah, it'll be a summer of reflection, I think, for, for all on board. Yeah, I was thinking the other day about one of the first podcasts. I think it was only me and you on it, actually, Chaff, and we were talking about um, BBM and our thoughts and feelings about him. And I think one of the things that we both said was that when he can change things and when he does change things in a game, it seems to work for us. So we were hoping that, you know, he'd do it a little bit more often and he'd be a little bit more reactive in games. And I think that's a major frustration for me this season has been that I still feel the exact same way uh, a year on and 46 further league games on. I still feel he's too slow to change things when they're not working. And I still feel he's, he's a little bit too wedded to the system. Um, but, it's another thing that it's another um, reason to like BBM at times is because he does he, he obviously backs himself in that philosophy and you do always even when, even in the moments where I've I've really criticised him there's still a feeling from me that if he just made those small alterations to the way he managed in games he could still be a really good manager um, I, I just unfortunately I just don't see that happening. Um, but obviously we'll be with him next season, we assume. So we'll see what happens. Um, Ryan, I'm, I'm going to ask this question to all three because I imagine there'll be quite differing um, responses. But 
Um, what grade would you give BBM for his performance this season from an A to an F? I don't know if you can pass him because we went down. Um, so I'd give him a D, but you get students who get special... Dispensation. You know, yeah, for, for different circumstances at home, don't you? So I'd probably give him a D with, with special circumstances that can still get him to college. He's had a lot to deal with, you know, in terms of... You're talking... You could criticise the board if you want, but I know this would probably a quick answer, but he's got a low budget and it's his first job in management and he's had a tough, you know, undealt to him. So I'd give him a D just, I think. It's one point in it. If he'd come 20th, we'd be happy on here, wouldn't we? Let's be honest. So a D just. Yeah, I think we'd be happy, but also I still think there's a lot of games this season where I felt very, very frustrated with him afterwards. Uh, Luke, same question to you. Um, it's a C from me. Um, a little bit similar to the points from Ryan that Ryan kind of suggested. But for me, you know, he's he's been managing the club since he joined with one hand tied behind his back. When I, I don't want to kind of it's a bit boring going through the, what we've kind of said already. But um, finances dictate, and they've caught up with us, um, and it's been kind of going down that route for a number of years and it so happens to be that this is our year where we're going down and I know that sounds defeatist but for me BBM has brought a lot of good things to the football club as well um, he's brought us a couple of good cup runs he um, has a definite eye for a player um, and I think we all I think we all kind of quite like the ethos of the football club and understand the whole um, mentality around how we survive and thrive as a football club and that's kind of by basically either developing our own players or bringing in players and, and developing them to sell on. Um, and I think BBM is a good fit for that, um, given the kind of player that he has brought into the club, generally speaking. His recruitment's been really sound, I think. Um, I think, you know, his, his integrity throughout the entire season you know, he is so likeable. Um, and I know that isn't enough to kind of say, well, you're a good manager and you've done a good job because you're a likeable guy. But, um, you know, he, the pressure's been on, but he, he's never really let it show. And I think that's a quality. Keyfield, the more experienced manager prior to BBM, let it show. And it came out in the way he kind of um, portrayed himself to the media, portrayed himself to the, to the fans. And I think ultimately the players got bored of it as well. Whereas BBN's been consistent with regards to his level of integrity throughout the entire process with us. Um, and I respect that and I, I like it as well. And, you know, for that, maybe it is having an influence on the scoring um, and maybe it shouldn't. I don't know. But um, that's how I feel about BBM. I think, you know, I think a lot of people, especially at the minute, kind of seem to pull BBM and, you know, other people at the football club, like bottomly in the same bracket. And you know what? It's completely separate. You know, BBM's kind of managed this football club and if a lot of the rumours and what have you are to be true around the runnings of the football club, he's done it under that stewardship as well. Um, so it's another thing I respect him for. Disappointing that we go down under BBM, for sure. And I think the most frustrating aspect of it is the fact that we weren't too far away from actually surviving if we tweaked a couple of things. We've already elaborated on it with regards to where we feel as though we've gone wrong this season. And it feels so frustrating because it doesn't feel like, like rocket science. And that blame has, you know, it has, and rightly so, has gone on to BBM. But the fact that we were so close as well means that I do kind of still want him to be at the football club to give him that opportunity to kind of for us to, you know, see how we can do with us in League Two. And see if we can still develop as a football club, even though I've got relegated under BBM. He's inexperienced. It's another season where, as long as he is kind of open to learning, and I think he is, that we'll be a better manager for it as well. Um, so for me, it's a weird one, isn't it? Giving someone a C, for, even though we got relegated. But um, I think he's done a lot of good stuff. I think what I would say in terms of what you mentioned there about the pressure not showing. I think that's a good point, but I do think for some supporters, it's equally frustrating because um, it feels like, and I'm not, this isn't how I feel, but I do think some supporters see that and think, oh, he doesn't care. Um, and that can be frustrating from a supporter's point of view. 
This, this is his livelihood, though, still. This is his, you know, he's employed as a football manager and he needs to win games. I'm not having it that he don't care about that. Um, you know, he's got a family. Yes, he had a decent career, but, you know, I'm not having that he isn't bothered about the results or anything like that. And I get your point, Dean, as well. And I think sometimes it's just kind of, he is um, intelligent enough to kind of differentiate between the emotion of everything and and the reality and um I see that as a quality. But I do feel so he does care as well. I think the same supporters would be equally and as annoyed if he was showing disappointment and a bit of depression because of the circumstances. You think of Keith Phil I think we were all fed up with him and his interviews about talking about money and talking about things behind the scenes, talking about not having a training ground. There's probably a fine line. I don't know what that fine line is, but I think for me, BBM's gone the right way about it. I'd much prefer a manager talking about what BBM's talked about than hearing Hill go on about the negatives because that would be impressing, wouldn't it? Again, it's not really something that I agree with either way. I'll be honest, I don't really, I don't often watch the post match interviews because I don't really get much from them. but I can understand why some fans find it frustrating. That's all I'm saying. And it was like you say, it was the same under Hill, but the opposite end of the scale. And I feel like um, it is, it, it's a quality in a manager if you're able to um, speak to the fans in a way that, that they can connect to. Um, and I'm not sure BBM's had that this season um, for, def- for very different reasons to Hill. Um, Chaff, the same question to you. Uh, BBM from A to F this season, what would you grade him? Uh, I'm going to go D. Similar to Ryan in that I think he's he's probably had the toughest job in League One this season. Um, with in well injuries that we've had, trying to accommodate other players into the squad that might not quite be ready yet. Um, and the the budget, I know we we said that he's he's had a really small budget and he has, but he's also been allowed to to bring in players. Um, let's not forget we spent 160 grand on two strikers um, which is not massive amount of money but we've not done that too often in, uh, well I've been watching Rochdale so he has had players that he's wanted to sign as well um, but yeah I think he's had a really tough job I think he's, um, his recruitment's been good overall um, I know there's some players that have that have come in with injury problems that have that have had injuries and that's annoying because you can see where that's going. Um, but the likes of of Humphrey's been a had he stayed injury free would have been a, an unbelievable signing. With a stayed up, there's no doubt about it. I think Beasley's been a revelation since coming, and let's not forget he's come from the National League or the Conference or whatever you want to call it. Um, and none of us, I bet none of us had heard of him before we joined. So. Him to have spotted that, I don't know how. I don't know how he's, he's pulled that one out, but I think Beasley's been a tremendous signing. I think Connor Grant's been a good signing um, overall, and I think he's got a lot more to come from from Connor Grant. Um, and yeah, some of the loan signings have been good as well. Our show's been outstanding, and yeah, that, that, those are the positives. There's negatives as well. There's the way he's reacted in in game situations. Um, Lack of game management, the same reliance on players that I, ordinarily I wouldn't want any reliance on. Um, the likes of Dooley and McNulty. Um, and yeah, the system with systems, regardless of who we've got. So yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd give him a D. Um, and I, I kind of think we, we, we've got him for next season. And I think I'm at the point now where I'll. Although I did want to change when it when it mattered, and we we could have possibly had that new manager bounce, I think we just let him get on with it and see how we how we can start life in League Two. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna also agree with you guys and go with a D. I think um, I I think it's gonna be a weird season to look back on in future. Not only because uh, we've had to watch every game from home, but also. There's been some real highs with like the wins at Wigan and Plymouth, but I think for me those games, the one against MK Dons at home stands out as one where I was watching it, just thinking, "This is done." Um, 
And I, I think at any other club, he probably would have been sacked after that. Um, so I can't really give him much higher than a D. Uh, and like you all said, we've been relegated. Um, and I think we'd all agree that the squad's probably good enough to have stayed up. Um, again, there have been injuries and things like that. But I think on paper, the team that we have available... Uh, for the majority of games, obviously, this, even when there's two or three missing, I, th- I still think the team is usually strong enough to get more out of games than it has done over the course of the season. And there have been games, there have been some real, real low moments. Um, we'll see whether we get any in, in League Two next season. Hopefully not. Ryan, looking ahead to that next season, League Two, obviously we don't know how many players we'll keep on. And we'll, we'll talk through the our own kind of retained release lists in a moment. But... What are the major positives we can take going into that season for you? Do you think we'll be able to compete in League Two next season? Oh, yeah. I mean, no doubt that we'll win more games than we've won this season. Um, I think personally from my... I was saying a few weeks... I think it was after the Burton game when we were all pretty much adamant it were down. I think I said it on here, but I think that's us now. Almost... Looking forward to it, it's the wrong phrase to use, but... I was just tired of being in a relegation battle for every season for like the last three or four seasons. So to not be in that again, it'd be nice. Um, even if you're talking mid-table to top half and not necessarily playoffs, I'd take that. Because I'm just tired of... Uh, it's for losing the games, but not, not... I don't mind losing games, but it's when you lose them in tight games and you you've played relatively well but you've lost a game and then you're going on... I mean, I've come off Twitter and stuff now, but going on social media afterwards and seeing, you know, after every single loss, no matter who it's against, seeing manager out, board out, going down, announced relegation, stuff like that, we just... We're depressing me. So I think to to win more games than we have done this season is a positive. And I think we will. I, I can't see us struggling in League 2 at all, no matter what who leaves, what the budget is, whatever. I can't see us doing it. Um, but I'm almost, I'm sort of looking forward to it personally. And even though I'm off social media now, I think it would just be a bit of a stress relief for some supporters at least. Luke, what about you? How do you see us faring in League 2 next season? Obviously, we, we don't know what we're going to look like squad-wise, but it is a drop in quality and, and we do have some serious players Contracted for another year, obviously they could still leave. But if we can keep the nucleus of this squad together, fingers crossed, everything crossed, it could be an exciting season, couldn't it? Potentially, could be. Yeah, I mean, it comes from that that stability, though. I feel, and 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 I go back to kind of the rationale behind why I would like to see BBN given that crack because whilst there's uncertainty at boardroom level, um, the thing that scares me is you look at some of the teams. Uh, you'd like to think with the nucleus of the, t- the squad that we have that we'll do all right. But you look at the likes of Scunthorpe, who on paper have a really good squad. Um, you know, looking at their release list that, that Chaff shared earlier, quite a few players on their name and profile-wise that you'd, that you'd think, flipping heck, yeah, I wouldn't mind them. They've struggled since they went back down to League 2. Walsall haven't done great. There's been teams in the past that have done the, the, the double relegation. Southend uh, being one of them. So it does scare me a little bit. And I think I think sometimes the link is that if the club isn't ran properly, that's what can happen. You, you, you can fall down the leagues and you go truly where you belong with regards to kind of the size of the club that you are. Um, so I think kind of that does worry me a little bit, but I am optimistic with regards to, you look at the players that we've got, we've definitely got some good players signed up, um, but it's all known because I think a lot will again be dictated by the financial position that the club's in. Um, I feel as though if there is going to be investment, it needs to be sharpish because plans are getting put in place now. I would imagine, with regards to the entire kind of football league around kind of plans for next season, recruitment, that kind of thing. You know, it's kind of like a continuous um, piece of work, I think, at football clubs. But if we don't know where we're going to sit from a budget perspective, if we don't know where we're going to sit from who's going to be a board member, who we've got coming in as investment, that's just going to delay things and that's going to delay our movements in the market as well. So I'm a little bit worried over that, um, but it's more so. I'm more so worried about boardroom level than on the pitch level. And I think the thing that combats it, just going back to my initial point, is that stability, is that longevity, 
and that comes from kind of keeping that squad together along with the management. Yeah, Chaff, is that a bit of a worry for supporters? What Luke's touched on there, the off-field stuff, the uncertainty around the boardroom. Um, obviously, the club haven't started selling season tickets yet, so you've got to imagine that that would feed into when we would find out about the budget and things like that. Is it a bit of a worry that we could end up going into next season with a lot of these players released, a completely different squad, you know, not, without that stability that Luke's mentioned, like both on the field and off it? Yeah, I think it's a big worry, to be perfectly honest with you. Um, we don't know what the budget's going to be. We don't. I don't even think BBM knows what the budget's going to be yet. Um, the release list will be interesting. I've kind of got a, a feeling we might end up having to release everybody until we we know exactly what we can and can't spend. Um, and yeah, the the longer, obviously the the EGM and everything. It's hopefully going to be sorted by sort of the, the first of June at the, the end of the first of June, but by that we need we need plans in place by then because one of the things that might have hindered us last season was a, a lack of preparation going into the season and coming back later than other clubs um, off furlough and stuff like that. And the longer we leave it, the less prepared we are to to take on what is a new challenge. It should be a lesser challenge in League One, but it's a new challenge. In League Two, sorry, but it's, it's a new challenge, and if we have to go into it and we have to basically com- completely rebuild, then that's a, that's a, that becomes a massive job. Um, like Ryan, if said if we if we can go in with not having not lost as many players as I fear we might, then I think we'll win more games than we have this season. Um, all I want from next season, me, is to stop the downward spiral, really. Um, a season of stability, as Luke said. Um, in terms of your, like, your initial question as to what the positives can be going into next season, recruitment's one of them. Because I, I think regardless of what budget he's given, I think he can, he can bring in players to, to suit that budget um, and give us a a good chance of stopping that downward spiral. Um, another positive going into next season is, is, is being allowed to go back in as well as supporters. I think that's a massive thing. Um, and I think that'll instantly give people a bit of a being able to go back regardless of how shit we've been. But I, I, I really want the, the off-field issues sorted because I think that might hold us back. And the longer it holds us back, the more worried I become. Let's touch on those off-field issues then. Um, we've obviously mentioned the AGM, an EGM coming up there. First uh, of June is the date that's been set. Ryan, do you know exactly how do these things work or anything? Is it one vote per shareholder? I mean, I'm not well-versed on this kind of thing. I don't really know what the outcome that, that everyone's hoping for is. I know that people obviously want a certain person off the board. Um but what we what we kind of hoping to be the outcome from this, and and do we think it's going to be a, another interesting evening like that fans forum was a few weeks ago? Yeah, personally, I don't know how it how it work. I think thinking from it, thinking of it logically, I can only imagine that the more shares you own, the higher your weight is in terms of voting. I think that'd be the only f- fair way to do it. But it might be a vote per shareholder. I can't see how that would work, but it could be. Um, I think from my perspective, my stance hasn't changed from the other week. I think there's a lot of noise around one particular person and then one other name's been thrown sort of under the bus, so to speak, on the trust statement um, for reasons unknown. Um, you know, don't personally never like the guy personally at forums and stuff, but why him... I'm talking about Rawlinson here. Why him? No idea. But my stance hasn't changed. I think for a board of four or five, I forgot how many numbers there are now, but to allow one singular person to run the whole football club without them knowing, if that's the case, you've got to get rid of You need a new board. You can't allow that to happen. No matter... I don't care what your shareholder is. If you're a board member and you're allowing one person, that's not you, to run a football club, 
leave the football club and go and do something that you're actually capable of doing because you're not capable of being a board member at a football club. And I don't care how likeable they are, how good they are at the chosen field, if they're allowing one person to run the football club, get gone, get out, and we need a new board. Um, so I think you're not going to hear from me one person being run, you know, thrown under, under the bus because, yeah, he might be running a show or they might be running a show, but there's people allowing it to happen. So my stance hasn't changed, basically. Luke, I think the, the, a major issue that people have brought up with this as well is that this um, should... David Bottomley be removed from the board as uh, is part of the EGM. That doesn't mean that he leaves the club as CEO, does it? And I think that's a bit of a worry for supporters that even if the shareholders make the decision to remove him from the board, it doesn't actually change the situation in terms of who is making the day-to-day decisions in terms of running the club. Yeah, I mean, it probably enforces more eyes on him. Um, not on, not on Bottomley kind of actually uh, more eyes on the whole situation um, of which Bottomley falls part of, you know, because it's part of the football club. Um, I don't know if there's, like for me, I always thought there's a potential kind of conflict of interest in being a board member and an employee of the football club. That That's always felt a little bit kind of, um, I don't know, it's, it's a little bit grey, I think, um, kind of in, in, in being in that situation. Um, but I mean I think the good thing out of all of this is that people are getting involved and enforcing situations that that means that what Ryan criticised the board for which I think there is an element of truth in eyes have been taken off uh, the ball as such um, for whatever reason eyes are back are getting put back on it now um, and, and people are being held accountable for kind of the running of the football club and how it's run um, and that can only be a good thing. Um, but what follows it as well? You know, it's it, it, what after, you know, even if that desired outcome was achieved, or even if it's not achieved, what follows it? Because I think the big one is is, is the investment part, you know, because by all accounts it's needed. Um, and I wonder how close we are to it. Said people are probably at the forefront of bringing that investment in. So if you're removing said people from the football club, does that hinder that aspect as well? I don't know. Um, it's really tricky because I don't. It's it's hard to have a strong opinion on it because all I hear is rumours and kind of it's rumours combined with what you see, you know, and and, and how we've done stuff. Um, but I think regardless of that, it's a real tricky position that the CEO is in because. Um, whether kind of a lot of the rumours are true or not, I think in many respects it's irrelevant because it's all out there and it's created a lot of kind of unrest amongst the fan base um, and it's created a lot of kind of negative will towards towards the club and that's not good for the football club and that's the only thing that matters at the end of all this. It's not people's personal agendas. It's it's the football club and it's the, um, it's the future of the football club as well. So I only want what's best in relation to that as does the majority. Um, it's hard to have a real kind of like strong opinion on it because to be honest with you, I, all, I've, all I've heard in the main is rumours. Let's have it right. If, if if we get investors and someone's willing to put millions of pounds into a football club, a high you know, responsibility of that goes to Bottomley because he's the one who's banged the drum about that all the time. So if that happens, you've got to give him credit. And I think he deserves a lot of criticism for the communication with supporters. I get that. I think the things about money um, and his personal financial situation, everybody who has heard something about that, like Luke said, it's a rumour. Nobody knows for sure. Unless you've heard it from a a director, it's a rumour because nobody knows. So... That's why I've always been wary of criticising one person. But let's have it right. If if this EGM goes how it how it it's expected to go, and that he's removed from removed from his position as a board member, we've still we're still left with a weak board. And I come back to that. We're still left left with a board who've allowed 
said person to run a football club on his own, like I said five minutes ago. So, what happens if someone similar comes in? Are they just going to? Are we going to go through this cycle every couple of years because the board are too weak to control one singular person at the football club? Um, but I, I'm similar to Luke. I, I don't know enough about the runnings of a football club to really comment on individuals, but that's where I, that's where I sit on it. The question that you posed to Luke about, or the the, the point that you made to Luke then. Dean about um, Bottomley potentially being off the board but still remaining as a CEO is a good point but if that is the case he becomes answerable to the to the rest of the board whoever that may be in the role that, he's, that he is now he doesn't have to justify his decisions because he's on the board he can make those decisions as a board member as well as a CEO and if he's not got the power of being a board member he's got to become answerable to somebody else uh, and some of the the, the call them rumours, um, yeah, they, they they are factually they are rumours. But those things stop happening. Those rumours stop being created because he's not allowed to do those things, or at least he shouldn't be, because um, he becomes answerable. But a lot of, a lot of um, praise has got to go to the supporters trust for pushing this through. And one thing we've got to um, we've got to sort of tech on board from this is the amount of season tickets that are not going to be sold while he's here, regardless of what the the rumours are and what what you what people have heard and whether people think it's unfair, whether people think it's fair. There's a lot of people openly admitting they're not going to renew their season tickets. Um they're not going to spend another penny at the football club and we we have to stop that from happening. And the night of the EGM is a massive night because it's not just one EGM, it's two. And the first one is regarding the issue of new shares that should have happened last year, but for COVID. And if we've got an investor coming in and new shares are being issued, then it could be it could become a very interesting night if, if somebody comes in and decides they want to come and buy all these new shares. The whole face of the football club could be very different to what we've got now come June the 2nd. And if it's not, I'm more worried because I don't want the people, one person in particular, I don't want that person running the football club because I just don't trust him. I don't trust him to be able to make the right decisions. There's too many mistakes being made. Um, There's too many very damning rumours going around that just make his position untenable for me. So I'm grateful to the supporters' trust. For, for pushing this issue and something drastically needs to change. Um, Rawlinson, I've no real opinion of, of him, to be perfectly honest with you. Um, I've never thought he comes well, comes across well on fans forums and I thought this his last fans forum was an absolute car crash from start to finish and that will have, that will have embarrassed a lot of supporters and, and put this mindset into their heads that this this cannot be allowed to go on. Um, and Rawlinson was a part of that, a major part of that. Um, Andrew Kelly evidently doesn't want to be chairman. Um, and I know he's been, I know the, these things have been allowed to happen, but if you're in an interim job and you don't want to be in that job for very long, you're only there by default, really to come in and make sweeping decisions before somebody else comes in. I can see why they wouldn't want to do that. Um, he's, he's evidently not in the greatest of health. Um, he's knocking on a bit, to be fair, as well. So he evidently don't want to, don't want to do the job on a, on a long-term basis, which, and like I said, if he, he will step down at some point and then we'll have a, a new chairman, we'll have an, essentially a new board of directors, especially if the investment comes in. And yeah, if the if the trust get the the outcome that that they want, that I want, that many many fans want, the football club could hopefully be a very different place come the second of June, and that will hopefully bring a renewed optimism. It's also worth remembering that um, I think we automatically deem investment to be good, but the investment's got to come from the right 
the right backers, hasn't it? It's got to come from the right people with the right intentions. Because we could, you know, we could go from one bad situation and straight into another. Um, so that's that's an interesting one. It, it comes, you know, I think it comes down to someone's intentions with with the club and and you know how they want to invest and why they want to invest. It's important that kind of the scrutiny continues now, because I think basically, you know, reading between lines, Chris Dunphy left, Kilpatrick took over because I think in hindsight now. He was like next in line, as in, you know, he had to, but he his preference was to be kind of taking a back seat. Um, and, it, and it kind of allowed, you know, it, it, we haven't had the structure at, at boardroom level um, where people are hands-on because these, these you know, the, these people all have other business interests slash are, are getting on and, and are retired and whatnot. Um, the, the, the IA probably hasn't been on the football club and, and I can get why there's blame there, but... They've probably always been like that. The difference is we did have someone steering the ship, you know, we, you know, prior to then. And, you know, since he left Dunphy, we've not really kind of continued with that stability. So we just need to find that stability, don't we? And, you know, I think it could be it could be mega, you know, like if, if you know, if we do get the right outcome and, and it is for the better of the football club, that kind of momentum can go a long way, can't it? You know, you start feeling it, you get a feeling around the football club that we've experienced, like when we first went up, you know, where everyone's in it together again. Uh, and I really want that because that's what's going to give us every chance of getting back up. Yeah, the, the point you make about it being the right investment is a good one. But depending on what you believe, we may not have a choice. <laughs> we may have to take any sort of significant investment um, that, that comes our way if, um, if if money's as tight as what it, it's rumoured to be. So it may be that we've, we've not got a choice. Obviously, hopefully, whatever investment does does come in is for the for the good of the football club. Um, otherwise, we we all know what happens. We all we, we can all point to Bury and say that it happened there. And you would hope that the football league. Have learnt from the Berry situation and, and have made tighter um, sort of rules and regulations about major investment and stuff like that. So, yeah, it's um, could be a very interesting summer, I think. Yeah, Luke, going back to your point a minute ago about when there's a good feeling around the club and everyone can feel it, I feel like we're at the opposite end of that scale at the moment, and I think that's why it's important that um, a change a change comes because, like you said, um, there, there are people. And I can I count myself within this who aren't willing to spend any more money at the club until a, a change does come, and that can come down to you know we, we a couple of you spoke about rumours there, and I think that's fair. There, there are rumours that you know are all, in in some cases there's no evidence for them, but then there is evidence for things like um, the fans forum and, and the car crash that witnessed there. There's evidence for. You know that the recent interview that, that David Bottomley gave, where he spoke about other clubs not selling season tickets, which just wasn't true. Um, there's evidence for you know the, the manager's contracts not being announced. There's plenty of evidence of, of this club being run in the wrong way at the moment, as well as those rumours. Um, and I think I, I count myself within. I don't think I, I don't think I'm in a minority really when I'm saying that I don't want to spend any more money. I think there's plenty of other people who are in the same boat as me. Um, and I think if the club wants to progress and get to that stage where there is that kind of positive atmosphere around the club, I, I can't see that happening without major change. Uh, and that's why, like you say, Chaff, that date, the 1st of June, when, when we could see that change is absolutely vital. Um, and I would just add as well that I think everyone should join the Dale Trust, especially this summer. Um, because in the last few months, they've done a lot of really good work. And I know in the past that they've come in for criticism which at times is, I think has probably been fair. But I think if we want to try and force the change that we want as a fan base, which is, is different for everyone, um, but at least they can represent what we think and we can make our voice heard in that kind of way. Um, so we'll see what happens there with, with, with regards to the EGM and AGM on the 1st of June. Okay, so I think we'll wrap it up there. We'll finish with our game as always. Um, I've gone for one of the teams we'll be facing in League Two next season. I don't think we've ever played them in a league game before, but we did play Forest Green in the FA Cup in 2008. Uh, it was during the 2008-2009 season, so if you want to remember the kit, it was the blue and black 
MMC Nike one. Um, yeah. Obviously, it was a bit of an embarrassing defeat for Dale on the day. But um, who won last time? Do we remember? It's been a while since we recorded a podcast, hasn't it? Chaff, yeah. obviously. Uh, okay, Chaff, so you can go first then. I want any Dale player um, in the match day squad for Dale's defeat to Forest Green in the FA Cup. 29th of November, 2008. I was, um, I was off sick at work um, with this and I spent the entire game trying to hide from my boss who was also a Rochdale season ticket holder. Um, <laughs> I remember John Shaw having a, missing an awful chance. Um, so I'm going to go John Shaw. Yeah, John Shaw came off the bench at half-time. Uh, Ryan, just because of where you are on my screen, you can go next, mate. Gary Jones. Oh, wow. <laughs> He's gone for what he thought was a banker. It's not a banker. No Gary Jones in the squad that day. Luke? Um, centenary season, yeah. No, uh, season no. after. Season after. Although I think we actually were wearing the yellow kit that we wore in the centenary season, if I'm right. The yellow away kit. Rory McArdle. Yeah, Rory McArdle. Who'd have been in that? Um, Sam Russell? Yeah. Ryan? Oh, sorry. Hey! <laughs> TK? Yeah. Who'd you say, McArdle? Um, Stanton? I was on the bench, yeah. Higgy? Yeah. Ramos? Yeah. Joey T? Was on the bench. Ryan shaking his head. <laughs> Disbelief here. <laughs> Alfie? Yeah. Rundle? Yeah, was on the bench as well. I think he'd have been in midfield. Kieran Sauner? Yeah. Kelty? Yeah. Have we said Will Buckley? No, but he was in there. Daggers? And Chaff takes the win once again. <laughs> no, Chris Dagnall. In that squad. I'll just run through it quickly. Uh, Sam Russell, Simon Ramsden, Marcus Holness, I don't think anyone got. Uh, Tom Kennedy, Rory McArdle, Clark Kelty, Kieran Toner, Will Buckley, Callum Higginbottom, Adam LaFondra, Lee Thorpe was the other forward. Uh, on the bench, James Spencer, Nathan Stanton, Nathan Delario, Joe Thompson, Adam Rundle, John Shaw. And annoyingly for you, right, if you'd have just said Jones, you'd have got Mark Jones because he was on the bench. Hmm. All right, we'll call it a day there um, and we'll be back shortly in, in next week probably to talk through uh, Dale's release list or retain list. We'll see which players are staying and talk through whether we think the decisions made by the club in that area were the correct ones or not. Uh, and we'll also be talking about that EGM and AGM that's upcoming as well. So all that's left for me to say is thank you very much for joining me, Rye. No, thank you, Dean. Cheers, Luke. Cheers, pal. And cheers, Chaff. Nice one, cheers. It depends on whether they tell us about the release list as well, to be fair. (laughs) Catch you all next time. Up the deal. Give me a second to start the thing, firstly.